Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane and Trake Carp Carpenter here with the Golf Mental Performance Mastery Podcast, formerly known as Breakfast Balls, but we have switched it to make it more accurately reflect what it is we talk about here, which is swing management, course management, most importantly, self-management, helping you become that one-shot warrior. And today on episode nine, we're talking about Phil's major victory. How about Phil Mickelson? 50 years, maybe 50 years plus going, how old is Phil Mickelson, Trake? Yeah, he's just over 50. Just over he's 50. playing in senior events now. Just over 50, and he's in better shape than he was probably when he was playing on the tour in 30. So that is available to anybody listening to this. You just have to put the work in. And Phil Mickelson just became the oldest guy ever to win a major. And today what we're going to do is break down that major victory. We're going to listen to, after round three, uh, some interview clips from Phil Mickelson and also from an analyst named David Duvall. Trake. How do we want to get this thing started? Do you want to play Duval and we'll break that down and hear what he's talking about, which is essentially the opposite of what Phil Mickelson is trying to do, at least from our perspective. Yeah, I was I was glued to the TV. Um, you know, our season had just ended. Um, I had a few days to kind of recharge, watched a lot of golf. You know, it was a good weekend uh, to have something like this happen. And I remember watching this clip live. And as soon as I heard what Duval said, I rewound it, recorded it, sent it right over to you because I knew this was like a lot of things that we talk about and mistakes that people make. And, uh, you know, I think the way Phil approached the weekend was pretty darn textbook from a mental standpoint. Um, and I think some of the comments that Duvall made did not accurately reflect what Phil was trying to do out there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to breaking this down. Yeah. I thought it was a classic Phil Mickelson sticking the process and David Duvall from the analysts booth talking outcome. And I think for the listeners to this, the reason why I'm so excited to break this down is so many times we see golfers sabotage their performance, sabotage their careers because they focus too much on the outcome that you cannot control and not enough on the development of the process and what you can control. So let's start with listening to David Duvall from the analyst booth talking about Phil Mickelson and where he thinks his mindset is going into championship Sunday. Let's listen. You have history against Phil Mickelson, you have Ace against Phil Mickelson, and you have Brooks Kepka against Phil Mickelson. Uh, that, that's a big trio uh, to overcome. Phil has to play flawless golf this afternoon. So I think to get it started right there, Drake, it's interesting that he's talking about how Phil has to play flawless golf. And he's talking about playing flawless golf, which is directly related to the outcome of him playing well. Instead of saying, hey, you know, Phil's got to just stick to his process and go one shot at a time and control the things that he can control. He's going right into the fact that the guy's got to play perfect to win. And no one, no one, no one on the PGA Tour is so bad they have to play perfect to win. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny. I think um, when Burns won a couple weeks ago, or I think he he finally got over the hump or he's in the final final group maybe, and he said... You know, I've been in the situation before in a couple of the final groups, and I always thought I had to play perfect on that last day to win. And he's like, when I watch the guys win, I realize how far from perfect it was, and I don't feel like I have to be perfect to win now. And I think you know, everyone who wins any golf tournament, any round of golf you play, if you break the course record, you're going to get done and still think you left shots out there, right? So there's no perfect round of golf. I think that's why a lot of people play golf that love golf because you can't perfect it. It's this constant growth and, you know, just trying to get better little by little. It's so nuanced. Um, and I think the chasing perfection is just not attainable. And so if you think you have to play perfect or play flawless, you are so far behind the eight ball that day that, that you're, you're backing yourself into a hole that's unrealistic. So yeah, I don't think Phil was trying to be 
flawless by any means um, out there. And I don't think he had a couple stretches maybe that were flawless, but you know, over the course of a major championship, 72 holes flawless is just not a realistic expectation. No. And I think the, the failing to mention that, you know, it is Phil Mickelson against Phil Mickelson and it is Phil Mickelson against the course. It is never Phil Mickelson against Louie or Phil Mickelson against Kepka. It's always him against himself. And living in that bubble of you versus you is how you give yourself the best chance for success, whether it's in golf or any other sport. Let's take a listen to the, to the remainder of this clip with David Duvall. Uh, you got to have those mistakes, which is a golf course you're going to make mistakes all night. The big thing for Phil is he's had 17 birdies through three rounds. He needs to have that six birdies again. He's had almost a six birdies for He's got six birdies again today to have a chance. I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make in golf is trying to make birdies. That's something that Scott Fawcett talks about a lot. Just because birdies are so much harder to control than bogey or double bogey avoidance, right? Um, you know, you can you can hit two or three great shots and miss a putt and not walk away with a birdie, did everything right, or you can go out there and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna have a game plan that takes high numbers off the table. I'm going to focus on, you know, hitting greens and getting birdie opportunities versus trying to control the outcomes of making birdies. And, you know, it's funny, I, I picked Justin Rose um, in my in my fun pool we have this week, and he made eight birdies in one round and shot one over par. That's not going to help Phil Mickelson win, right? Phil can't control how many birdies he makes. He can't try to feel like he has to make birdies because what if you go out there and you've made zero birdies through nine holes? Are you just going to start pressing and and firing at flags you shouldn't right so i think for phil he's just focused on in this scenario what's the best play let's give myself a look um you know when you're in the driver's seat you shouldn't feel like you have to do something to press and i think if phil was in that mindset of having to make birdies he would and phil's a guy who's probably played somewhat aggressive but i think he understood this moment and this opportunity and realized that he was playing well. He says that in, in his um, in his interviews. You know, he was playing well enough to win. It was almost just you know not trying to screw up more than it is like trying to force some certain outcome that he really can't control. Yeah, and I think you talk about trying to get a certain number of birdies in a round. If you're trying to avoid bogey or you're trying to get birdie, bottom line is you ain't competing one shot at a time. Like the, the best golfers, and you're going to hear this in Phil Mickelson's interview, he's not even sniffing outcome. It's all about if I have the right swing, if I have a clear picture, if I'm visualizing my shot, which is all part of what he's doing in the pre-shot routine. He's not even talking about winning tournaments, getting bogeys or avoiding bogeys or getting birdies. He's talking about the process. Let's finish up this clip with Duval, and then we'll get into Phil. He's talked so much about focus, about staying present. How difficult is that knowing? The history that awaits you, the oldest ever to win on 18 green, if you can get there, how do you stay present? I don't, I don't think that's actually that big a deal. Okay. No, I really don't. Uh, you're talking about a five-time major champion, top 10, 15 of all time, Hall of Famer. Uh, that, those things aren't going to bother him. The prize at the, at the end of the day is what he's paying attention to. The prize at the end of the day is what he's paying attention to. Uh, it's not hard for him to stay present. It's not hard for him to be in the moment. Trank, what do you got on that? I think if it were that easy to do, Phil wouldn't be talking about it. Like being present is really important. So obviously Phil is trying to focus on it. If it were easy, he wouldn't be wasting time on it. Right. So, you know, I think anyone who's played golf at a high level, which, you know, I get Duvall, 
He's on TV. You know, they've got to break stuff down, fill airtime. That job's not easy. But at the same time, I think he would say, as someone who's won a major championship himself and been in the heat of the moment, it's really hard not to look around and be like, okay, there's 40,000 fans. I'm playing for a major championship. You know, don't screw up. Thinking about the history of all this. All that is so, so easy to come into your mind. I don't think there's anything easier in the heat of battle than to have doubt and in, in the the moment kind of overwhelm you. I think being present is one of the hardest things to do in golf, especially at the stakes that fills in. And I think that's why he talked about it so much during this weekend was because he knew how important it was and he knew how hard it was. And we talk a lot about, you know, not listening to yourself and talking to yourself. And I think this is just, you know, Phil is speaking this into existence, so to speak in his interviews with his caddy, like if you speak it and and you own it and you talk about it, it's going to be easier to do in the heat of battle versus just expecting or or hoping that I stay present when I get out there. Yeah. I mean, to say that it, that to stay present with what he has going on the line is not a challenge to me, that makes no no sense. That, that is the challenge. The challenge is staying present and going one shot at a time. The challenge is keeping your eyes off the prize. And on the process, I mean, this advice that we got growing up, right? I remember in elementary school, you had saw the sign, keep your eyes on the prize. It's like, man, (laughs) when you're playing on the PGA tour, you got your eyes on the prize. You're going to trip over the next shot and you're going to fall on your face and your career is going to be over quick. So the key is you got to be able to stay dialed in on the present moment. And that is the hardest thing. One shot at a time takes 30 seconds to understand and 30 years to master, man. And I think when you, you mentioned Phil Mickelson speaking into existence and when you're talking about having fun, staying present, breathing, seeing the shot, as he's going to talk about in this interview, it's all process. And I go back to, uh, you know, UFC world champion that I had cornered and worked with George St. Pierre. And he was the, like the first UFC fighter to openly talk about on ESPN, highly questionable. And if you go to Brian, if you go to YouTube and type in GSP, George St. Pierre, highly questionable, You'll see an interview with him before a fight with Michael Bisbing, where George is going up from 170 to 185 to fight for a world championship. And he says, you know, it's Saturday night when I get inside of the octagon, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be afraid. It's normal because you know what the outcomes can be. And when he talks about being afraid and being and having some fear, he, he zaps it of its power, man. He like, de, what's the word I'm looking for? He descent, um, desensitizes the fear, right? Takes the fear when he admits that he has fear, he takes the power away from the fear and goes to work on the process to be able to combat that. And he has some tools, the things that we worked on, the body language, the focus, the self-talk, the elite preparation, the routine of when you get in the octagon, what are you going to do? The routine of the time you wake up from your nap on fight day until the fight is over, what are you going to do? Scripting that out so there's no thought process, it's just operating within what I do within my process, which is something that he had you know, practiced every weekend, three, four weekends leading into that fight because he knew how challenging that can be. Just like Phil Mickelson, I'm sure has a lot of tools and a lot of processes and has done a lot of work on staying present because of how difficult that can be. Let's join Phil Mickelson here in an interview after round three, where he's leading going into championship Sunday. Now, Phil, you've been in plenty of dogfights at the majors. But your advanced age, it's hard to know how many are in front of you. How do you keep yourself from wanting it too much or pushing too hard out there tomorrow? Um, I think that because I feel or believe that I, I, I'm playing really well and I have an opportunity to uh, contend for a major championship on Sunday and I'm having so much fun that it's, it's easier to stay in the present and not 
not get ahead of myself. And so I think that's a big uh, part of it. I think certainly my brothers played a big part in kind of keeping me uh, present and in the moment, not letting a couple of bad swings affect me here, there. And, and so um, I think we're having so much fun that uh, it's, it's easy to stay present. We're having so much fun. It's easy to stay present. What do you got on that trick? Yeah, I think when, anytime you put pressure on yourself or like we talk about, you know, feeling like you have to do something or, you know, you must do something. This is do or die. Like, you know, Phil's just trying to have fun. I think it's a lot easier to be committed to what you're doing and focus on the process when you're, when you're more focused on just enjoying it, you know? And I think like Phil talks about like having his brother out there is probably a different dynamic. Um, you know, you look at Stuart Sink winning a couple of times now with the sun on the bag, you know, and he talks about it too. Like we're out here, we're having a good time. We're enjoying the talks, you know, we have between shots and when it comes time to, to hit the shot, we just lock in. This is our process. X, Y, Z. We run through it, commit to it, hit it, and move on, right? They just accept what happens. And I think that's what Phil's doing here is, is realizing that in order to win the tournament, in order to achieve the outcome that I want, I have to focus on the process in front of me, the things I can control, and that's being present. And the easiest way is to have fun, enjoy my brother being out there, you know, work through our process together, but not put all this external stuff on top of me and you know, you know, I'm going out there and I'm, I'm trying to be the oldest guy to win a major and yada, yada, you know, he's not, he never talks about this kind of stuff down the stretch. And I think that's what helped him have fun and be present. Yeah. I think it's, it's a really, really good mental game strategy to have fun. And I think so many times as athletes, we let the pressure outweigh the pleasure and we forget how to have fun because so much of our ego, so much of our financial backing, so much of everything that we do is wrapped up in our performance that we lose some of that fun. So one of the challenges is how do I keep it fun? And for the young golfers or coaches, there's a difference between fun and silly, right? Silly is um, romper room, man. Fun is I'm totally connected to what I'm doing. I'm in the moment. I've got no emotional attachment to the outcome, but I got answers for what I'm going to see when I'm out there. And I keep running my process over and over again, literally going one shot at a time. And when you go one shot at a time, you are in the present moment. When you're in the present moment, that's when the fun meter is the highest, but it also works the other way. If you're having a lot of fun, it's easier to get in the present moment because when you're having fun, you're not fantasizing or focusing on the outcome. You're just locked into what you're doing, where your feet are on that next shot. Let's continue with Phil. Um, hmm, I felt I had a very clear picture on every shot and, and I've been, um, swinging the club well. And so, uh, I was executing and I just need to keep that picture a few more times. So even though it slipped a little bit today and I didn't, I didn't, uh, stay as focused and as sharp on a few swings, it's significantly better than it's been for a long time. So I'm making a lot of progress and I'll continue to uh, work on that. And hopefully I'll be able to eliminate a couple of those, um, loose swings uh, tomorrow because I'm playing a lot better than the score showing. And I think if I can just stay sharp uh, tomorrow, I'll, I'll post a score that is that better reflects how I, I'm actually playing. Biggest thing I'm hearing Phil talk about there, Drake, is he's focused on seeing the picture of the shot. And when he sees the picture of the shot, it allows him to trust the shot more. And the couple holes where he got away from seeing a clear picture of the shot the swing, he talks about kind of breaking the mechanical breakdown and things that happened there so that the the poor execution of a process, not being able to clearly see the shot, manifested into a swing not being the way he wanted it to be. So the good swing starts with a good process and a good sh- image of the shot. And we talk all the time about the biggest thing that you can do in the pre-shot routine is breathe and tiff, T-I-F, target, image, feel. What's my target? 
what's the image of the shot I want to hit? What's that shot going to feel like to hit? And then take a breath and go let it rip. So as I'm hearing Phil talk there about the importance of the image of the shot, would you kind of unpack that for us from a golf coach perspective of how do you help your golfers get better at imaging shots? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about visual visualization and stuff like that is, um, I think one thing that I like guys to have is, you know, a, a Rolodex of all the best shot, uh, golf shots they've hit. Right. So, you know, most guys that play golf at a really high level have a really good recall of shots they've hit and how far they were and where the pin was. And I think it's great for guys to write that stuff down and have a list of the best shots that they've hit with each club. And I think that's something that's really specific and easy to visualize. Put yourself back in that moment mentally, see yourself executing that shot better than you ever have with that club. And then when you're in that moment, you just see that shot and you repeat that. Right. Um, so I think that's something that the guys really do. Um, and, and, kind of piggybacking off in that, I think the, the visualization, feeling the wind, smelling the grass, you know, seeing the galleries, all the senses that you can tap into when it comes to, to visualization, I think, uh, I think really help. And I think when Phil talked about being sharp, he's not talking about being physically sharp and his golf swing being sharp. He's referring to, to, like he said, is hitting more of those shots that he's committed to and seeing really good targets. And I think that's a common misconception of guys trying to elevate their golf game to the next level is they try to work on being capable of hitting more shots or different shots rather than being able to hit more shots that they're already capable of, right? Like, I think that's something that, that fills out there. And he's a guy who probably historically has tried some shots that are maybe risky. He also has the, the capability of pulling a lot of those off. But I think something that I talk about a lot with the guys is hit the shots you know how to hit under the gun. You are capable of that. Let's hit the most number of capable shots that we can and not try to hit shots or be more capable. Um, you know, I think that that's a deadly trap there. So I think Phil's really just trying to stick to his game plan visually, mentally, see good targets, see a good image of the shot, feel good about it. Um, and, and just kind of accept what comes from there because he knows he's capable of hitting the shots he's trying to out there. Love it. We got one more clip of Phil Mickelson in this interview from Saturday after his round leading the PGA Championship. Let's take a listen. We'll break it down. We'll call it a day. It's 12 and 13. Was that an example of loss of focus? And if so, did you get it back to finish out the round? So it's, um, yeah, it's just an example of losing the feel and the picture of the shot. And I get a little jumpy, a little bit fast. Uh, from the top, and it it just when I that happens, I get narrow, and I end up flipping it. So um, those those two swings were um, more product of not staying uh, or or keeping the feel and the focus of the shot. And so that's just just a small little thing that um, I need to iron out. Okay, we have time for a couple more. Bob, eleven. Phil, a couple of things about thirteen. What did you see with Louis' tee shot? It seemed like it possibly could have been where he would have had to re-tee it also. His ball clearly crossed over the hazard. I, I didn't think that was an issue. It flew way down there. It had a big cut to it. I, I didn't, um, there was no question in my mind uh, from where we were at that it crossed way up there. Uh, mine was on the edge. And um, I just didn't feel good about it. I, I, I thought it was, I just didn't think it was, uh, as much as it hooked, I just didn't think it crossed up there. So that was the two wood correct on that. Yeah. Hole? And, and was there any thought 
easy to say, right? But any thought about just bunting it out into into the fairway after seeing what he did? Um, or are you not even worrying about what he No, did? that doesn't, what he does doesn't affect uh, what I do or the rest of the field. So uh, I need to, I just need to execute better. And uh, it wasn't a hard shot. I've been hitting that shot well. It's just a little low running uh, draw. I didn't hit it very well today, uh, that shot, but I've been hitting it well. And so I'll go work on that. Drake, I love what he's saying there about how what Louis does or what the field does has zero impact on what he does. And I think having, you know, caddied for guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, having been with, you know, top college golf programs and tournaments, I see guys change what they do coming down the home stretch. I think because they're looking at what other guys in their group are doing. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think it goes back to Duvall. You know, I talked about it's Kepka versus Phil and history versus Phil and all that. And Phil is, is not worried about that stuff in the slightest. Um, you know, and we talked about it a little bit in preparation for regionals. Um, uh, we had several guys who had played in a regional a couple of years ago and, you know, we spent some time talking about what was that like? What did you learn from it? And a common theme seemed to be, you know, I was, I was a little bit too concerned with just being there and kind of taking it all in and, and watching what the guy in my group was doing, you know, from XYZ premier school and, you know, I, I, I didn't go there focused on what I'm going to do. What's my process? What's my game plan? Um, and I think that's what Phil's doing here is, is he's focused on what he can control. Here's my process. I need to be really sharp with my visualization and my feel. And I, I know I'm playing well and just commit to that. And, you know, he talked about, um, you know, the shot he, he got away. It wasn't a physical, he made a physical mistake, but the root cause was he wasn't mentally where he needed to be on that shot. And I think a lot of guys will fall into the trap of they have a physical error like that. They won't acknowledge or sometimes just not have the humility to acknowledge that my mental game there was the root cause for that physical error, right? And so they will hang on to that physical thought for the rest of the day. If it's something, you know, if a guy is struggling with that shot that Phil hit, he will, you know, he'll think about that shot or he'll think about avoiding that shot where Phil is like, I just focus on my process on the next one and know that if I, if I execute my mental game plan, the physical stuff takes care of itself. So I think a lot of guys will, will fail to connect those dots or not have the humility to connect those dots and be aware that that was the root cause of that physical error. Yeah. I think so many times when a, when a golfer makes a mistake on the course with a shot, they immediately go into swing. They immediately go into swing management. And, you know, when you're just getting started, obviously, as I am with the game of golf, like there's a lot of swing management breakdowns because you don't, you don't have those patterns. You haven't created that swing. You haven't invested that kind of time. But for these guys on the tour and the guys you're coaching in college, the swing is there. And the breakdown often is going to be sometimes in course management, they picked the wrong shot, picked the wrong club, didn't bring all the factors in, or they got a gust of wind, right? And that's a non-controllable. But there's also a lot of breakdowns in the mental game. I didn't have a clear target. My image of the shot I wanted to hit wasn't wasn't very clear, and I didn't take a deep breath, wasn't in control of myself, wasn't totally locked into the present moment. I didn't know what the feel of the swing felt like, and I, I see it a lot like guys doing this. And here's what I want you to do, Trey. I want you to grab, grab that phone right there. I want you to lift that phone. Okay, you're lifting the phone. You did it. Okay, put the phone down. I want you to not grab the phone. Great, you did that too. You're doing two things. Now I want you to do both. Grab the phone and don't grab the phone. As Trake's sitting in my office here looking at him. That's not that's called not grabbing the phone, Trake. I want you to do both. That's called grabbing the phone. 
Do both. Grab the phone and not grab the phone. You're still grabbing the phone. Now you're not grabbing the phone. And this is the point I want the golfers to take away from here. You can't do two things at once. You can't be running your process and working your routine and thinking about keeping your eyes on the prize and getting the big finish at the same time. You can't be working process and thinking outcome at the same time. Like you can't be holding onto your phone and not holding onto your phone at the same time. So you can't be hitting two clubs at the same time. You can't be hitting two shots at the same time. You can't be laminating and, and being consumed with the, the previous putt, three putt that you had, and then go tee off on the next hole with complete focus and trust within your process. Can't do two things at once. So if you're going to do one thing, don't focus on the outcome. Don't keep your eyes on the prize. Lock into what you're doing in this moment. Don't count the days, make the days count, and be that one-shot warrior. And if you're looking for help and you want to master the mental game of golf, I'd love to work with you. Head over to briancane.com slash golf. Check out my free 40-minute masterclass in the mental game of golf. If you want to send me an email, brian at briancane.com. I have golf camps where people come and live at my house for four days up here at Chaparral Pines in Payson, Arizona, and we get after all things golf. Swing management's where Trake comes in. Course management's where Trake comes in. Self-management's where I take over. and We get in there and start working on the mental game, the six inches between the ears that control the six feet below. So if you're looking to close the gap as a, as a college golf coach, if you're looking to close the gap as a golfer, this is a place that you want to come to help give you that best chance for success. So thanks for joining us here on the Golf MPM Podcast. Congratulations, Phil Mickelson on becoming the oldest to win a major. And really, congratulations on a, on a tremendous career. And the thing I'm most impressed about probably is your transformation, man. The transformation of your body, Phil, if you're listening to this from a guy who at 30, you know, 35 years old uh, is in better shape now at 50. So that's something I'd love to interview Phil on at some point is just kind of breaking down that transformation, that commitment. And the thing I want our listeners to know is that is available to you too. And Everyone thinks we're playing the time management game, man. We're all playing the energy management game. And the energy management game is a byproduct of you maximizing those four fundamentals of eat, move, mindset, sleep. If you're not paying attention to those in the self-management game, you're going to fall behind. You're going to fizzle out. And you're going to lose to the people who do. So until next time, let's not count the days. Make the days count. We'll be talking to you. Trake, thanks for joining us, brother. See ya. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to BrianKane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for check out my mental performance mastery coaches certification where we teach you about the mindset routines and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for if you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast head over to briancane.com and click on athletes check out my 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes program where i walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success thanks for being with us here on the podcast Let's dominate the day.